Ooh, give me some more flavor. It's the Untitled Podcast. From now on, don't nobody talk to me directly. You understand? You got business with me. You talk to Huey. Huey, you talk to me. You got it? All right. Damn it, never on the phone. You got it? I got it. All right. And take them goddamn sunglasses off. Take the goddamn sunglasses off. Damn it, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Untitled Podcast, your favorite podcast, favorite podcast, aka the greatest show on earth. Um, I'm here with some very, very special guests. Um, shit, probably the folks that really got me started. It's probably the first real deal podcast I was on. I don't know if we knew it was a podcast when we did it, but um, turned into one. <laughs> uh, turned into uh, something real popular as well, man. So I'm gonna do like we used to do, man. Um, let everybody go introduce themselves. 
Yo, what's going on, everybody? Rashamard Torrance, aka Marty Mod, aka I'm about to say something cheesy, so I'm not gonna say that. But thanks for having me, Mouse. Thanks, th- th- thanks for inviting us to your house. Hey, y'all. I'm Ashley. Everybody call me Farmer, but it's Clark now, and I'm just glad to be here. I'm excited for this reunion. Listen, because we definitely call you Farmer. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Tiffany Sinise, also known as Dr. T. Sinise, also known as the Dr. Mom. So give a real nigga a follow. Appreciate you. The viral That's what I'm talking about. The viral legend herself. So, yeah. So, um, like I said, man, this is the live timeline gang missing a few. Um, for those who weren't aware, a few years ago, um, I believe it was my that started. I don't know. Um, reached out. Uh, what idea to do a live timeline on um, or a live show on Facebook? Uh, looking back, it probably was one of the wildest things might ever asked us to do um, because in doing podcasts, I've realized doing anything live is just waiting for a mistake to happen. Um, so I don't know if y'all know how blessed we was <laughs> that nobody said nothing crazy or nothing stupid, man. Um, so, Ma, I'm going to start with you, man. Where did the idea for Live Timeline come from? And also, um, in assembling this cast of uh, characters, uh, where did that come from? All right. So, um, it was right around the time that COVID was happening. Everybody's in the house. Um, everybody had something to say. For some reason, everybody thought it was cool to be on Instagram Live. People that never had an opinion about stuff, you know, sharing their opinions. And it was a thought. I was like, you know, how about... I don't know. I'm, I'm really weird. Like I, I think of so many concepts and different ideas in my head, like randomly. And I was like, you know what? How about we do? You do something. You like get people together that you think are cool, but everybody's different, and let's just all share our opinions, you know, on those types of things. Um, I never looked at it as a podcast. I just was like, you know what? Hey, like everything I think of is like, oh yeah, we're just gonna do this. We're gonna slap it together, and it'll be it'll be this, and it'll become fun. And when I would just thought of people. You know, I was like, I just want a wide range of people, you know, me, me and Ashley have been cool, you know, ever since college, um, we had a lot of, you know, good interactions and from social media, I just always love like her commentary on Twitter. Um, Tiffany deserves to be on CNN or somewhere because my girl is very politically correct, but then she's also going to flip the switch on you and give you, you know, the, she will give you the doctorate version and the, and the GED version so that everybody, you know, can, can understand what point of view she's coming from. Miles, me and Miles have worked together on a lot of different projects. We bounce ideas off each other all the time. Um, Yab, same with Yab. You know, I was like, he's he's fun, he's ratchet, but he's the intellectual. He's a therapist, so he can tap into that area. And Zadana's the same way. You know, very straightforward. Um, someone has to be the villain of the show at times. <laughs> so I thought that Zadana would be a good mix as well. So just getting everyone together and i just love the fact that when we all did get together like we just meshed um everything just flow organically and we were able to create something dope in the end um absolutely so uh tip i'll start with you when my first hit you with the idea what was your thoughts what was your questions your reservations all that good stuff when my first hit me up about it i was ready and willing um to be an active participant because like Ma said, it was so much like there were so many different people with so many different ideas and opinions. And I, I realized at that time that we 
wasn't supposed to know everybody's opinions like that. So if we're going to be in a space to talk about what we think, let's do it with some smart people, right? Some people that have a good grasp of what's going on and people with enough decency that if they don't know that we can walk through it and talk through it at the same time without it being a hostile environment. So I was down for it. I was ready because uh, I always got something to say. So good idea of mine. And I'm, I'm appreciative that you, you know, just kind of took that, that leap of faith to get us in the space to do that. Um, absolutely. So I remember the uh, first episode we did, um, you know, did it on Facebook. Good bit of people watching. And I remember going back the next day and I think we were probably at like 700 views by that next morning. Um, so Ash, I'm going to ask you, um, that immediate success that the show had, um, I mean, I know we were at, I know for sure we had a thousand views within the first 12 hours of it being posted. Um, so what were your thoughts? I know for me, it was kind of overwhelming to see, cause I, I just didn't think it was going to take that much of a leap that soon, that quick. Um, so what are your thoughts upon just seeing the first early success of the show? I was surprised. I thought we were going to get a couple of views, um, but I just thought it was a group of folks, young folks who just got mouths, like to talk, um, somewhat know what they're talking about still, you know, even with having opinions. And I just thought it was super dope, like people were interested in what we had to say. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I'm circle back to you, Maude. I remember you shot me a text um, after I think the first, I think as we posted that we were doing the second episode. And the text was saying that, um, oh, you bringing back, um, I know I was in that mix. And was it, yeah, it was somebody. It was me and somebody else, and they were wondering why you were bringing us back for a second episode. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so my question to you is, what made you kind of stick with the cast? Because this is something, you know, in this light, you kind of rotate, um, you know, characters rotate people in and get different opinions. And we actually ended up doing that just because of availability. Um, but the main cast, you know, actually these four, you know, us four, you know, are pretty much the main kind of, you know, people on the show to begin with and, and throughout. Um, so what kind of made you really kind of stick with that, um, in the show? Um, I would say when I would go back and because every time we would do the broadcast the next day, I would attempt to break it down and watch just watch the entire episode but oh i like this i don't like this i'm always like to, like to critique things so i just thought that it was an organic chemistry between us um everybody was able to make valid points like it was it was funny at the same time so it was you know because with live timeline we were talking about a lot of we talked about the important stuff then we talked about the stuff that everybody's commenting on the shade room so it gave throughout the pandemic it gave you that balance because the pandemic was heavy we had a lot of we had a lot of heavy stuff already on us so for me i was like let's let's give it some some seriousness now let's give it some fun let's give it some seriousness let's give it some fun and i just think with all of our personalities um similar to when i did project inspire when i created the panel for project inspire my main thing was i wanted all audiences to be reached so how Tiffany may communicate may reach some people, but then they like, actually may communicate the same thing in a different way, but it may reach a different audience. And I think that's just what, that's what podcast, that's what, what, what any type of broadcast is. You're going to cater to that direct audience. Once I saw the you know, success that we had, and I just love the chemistry that we have, I was like, you know what, let's keep miles, you know, let's do this, let's do that. And it's, it's even funny talking about it because if you really know me, I really just wing stuff. I wing it, and 
then it it turns into something else. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, and Miles like, you know, you kind of produce him. Like, if you want to call it that, I'm just trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. So, um, you know, we we rotated some people, and you know, from that, after seeing, you know, who who worked, who didn't work, I just wanted to stick with that core group because I knew we could really carry it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so and this question goes to anybody. Um, I remember we would have kind of real quick chats before we went on live and um, it kind of would be like a, a, a quick check in, you know, and we would say how y'all feeling in that point. And, you know, this is 2020 again, like my said, middle of the pandemic, middle of the social justice movement, middle of all this stuff going on. And I think everybody would kind of take like a deep sigh. Um, and for me, it kind of felt like a therapy session, like just something just to like. You know, let's get all these thoughts out because, I mean, we were all in quarantine at the time. Um, you know, so the people you were seeing was a very small circle. Um, so did was anybody else feeling the same way about that? I mean, I know for me, again, it was like a therapy session, just kind of an outlet to get things out that turned into something bigger. Um, but for you all, how was that for y'all? I know for me, it was very refreshing. Like you said, we were in the house, we weren't doing anything. So this was my opportunity to see people I don't see on a regular basis, chop it up, um, share personal things if we chose to. Um, just having a group of people who were like-minded and if we weren't like-minded, we still can have adult conversations. It was really refreshing because whew, just think about that time. It was, it was a frustrating season and like um, T was saying, earlier people had opinions and they had platforms and they didn't need those platforms so just being able to have a group of people you can release a lot of stuff because you know folks was yeah it was a trying time so just having a group of people who had sense we can talk and converse about everything was really refreshing and i can jump in after what ashley said she said it was, it was a really heavy time. People were literally dying. People that we knew were dying. Family members had COVID. We were trying to navigate that. We were still working our jobs. And some of us have kids. So our kids were home. And we were just trying to figure out like all the, the details of what was happening. So to have a space that felt safe, enough to talk about how we felt, what was going through our minds, what our plans of action were, you know, and, and also have the space to encourage other people. I think that was the dopest part of it because everything around us was the complete opposite. You know, we, it was, it was so much uncharted territory, but for us to have the space to just kind of talk about those things, like Ashley said, it definitely felt very therapeutic and it was the space to release without being judged. Even if there was a difference in opinion, it was still the space there to, okay, let me follow up and read about, you know, what Zadana was talking about. Let me check out this resource that Yab was talking about. Ma said that this was going on, you know, so it was just a space to be yourself, take in new information and do something with the information that you gather after we was kicking it the way that we were. So now that was dope. It was dope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to shift a little bit. Um, there were a million things that have happened since the last time we met. Um, you know, we've had um, a verdict in the Ahmaud Arbery case, um, school shootings, um, obviously the elephant in the room that happened today, the Roe versus Wade uh, decision being um, overturned. 
Um, I kind of want to start with the school shooting because I know the Roe versus Wade topic is going to be a uh, that's going to be a topic. Um, so uh, with these school shootings, the the most um, most recent, not just school shooting, just mass shootings in general. Um, I know my thoughts have always been the same. I said on a live timeline, I said now, you know, I feel like us as a people need to really work toward um, defending and protecting ourselves, um, you know, practicing gun safety, practicing the knowledge of it. Um, you know, we spoke about uh, possible race wars before, and, and I remember saying that we wouldn't stand a chance if anything like that happened. Not that I was advocating for it, but if it did, I know plenty of us who either just don't own weapons or if we do, may not know how to use it. I mean, I know plenty of people with dirty guns that I can tell you they're going to jam as soon as you pull it out. Um, so in seeing all these mass shootings, anybody could jump in here. Um, what are your first thoughts on, on upon seeing them? Upon seeing the response and, and, you know, just kind of where does that, where does that put you, you know, when you go out in public? I mean, we, we saw the you know, group of people in New Jersey, I believe, um, no, sorry, New York, who went to the grocery store um, and, and, and were shot at. So, so what kind of thoughts do you guys have on that? Um, something I can add, uh, just my thoughts around that is, I'm a firm believer that with the mass shootings, I do believe that the the government needs to do a better job when it comes to prosecuting. Um, if not saying you know, I've had those thoughts, but just just looking at you know when someone goes in you know into these things and they they do these heinous crimes, they're seeing a pattern of you know people go they kill and they go to Burger King you know get them two offers fresh off the brawler. Then they take them to the big house. And I it, it sounds bad saying it, but I feel like if a lot of those people were killed on site, a lot of people kind of rethink that. Because it's kind of like any situation that you look at. It. Like if you know you're going to get away with something or you know the punishment may not be as crazy as what you think it is, you're really not going to think twice about doing it. So one of the things that I believe needs to happen is the same. Like when I started executed the um the last gentleman recently, I was like, okay, about time. But I'm like, if I feel like if when all these things began to happen earlier on, if there was better, um, I would say, punishment and consequences, I think that would send a signal that will allow people to not really think about want to even do those things. I can jump in there. That was a good point, Mar. And I think the caveat to that is we are in a country that has kind of made it its claim to fame the death the slayings, the killing of disenfranchised vulnerable people. We live in a highly policed state. Everything is militarized. So in any space that you have government officials that are being compensated by the organization that is okay with the usage of these guns, of these, you know, highly militarized assault rifles, there's no reason to even use an assault rifle if you're not going to war. The exit wound on an AR is as big as an orange. Why do you need that? Why do you need that? So when you put that into the context of somebody going into a school with assault rifles, killing children that are five and six years old, and they have wounds that are the sizes of oranges, right? So you, you know that this is literally a massacre. But like you said, Ma, there's nothing that happens on the other side of that because you can actually go and pull up a list of government officials that receive millions of dollars from the NRA on a regular basis in terms for their campaign strategies. So 
when you see this and you know that they're getting huge payouts for the people that support the usage of these guns, it, it, it works against itself. And the other thing is they know that I can do it and I can get away with it because I am slaying people that the country doesn't even really care about. A country doesn't care about children because they don't care about what they eat at school. We saw with Sandy Hook, nothing happened. This country doesn't care about children. They're going to force you to have them. We don't even have the formula to feed them. You know what I mean? So it's like when I look at it from that lens, I'm not surprised. It's, it's heartbreaking because it shouldn't be this way. But that is historically what the United States of America represents. The mass killings and slayings of disenfranchised vulnerable people. Um, and that's a very good point. One one question that I do have for y'all. Um, so we see this happen. You know, we've seen this happen over and over again. We know we know what's going on. We know they don't care about us. They know about you know the they they really don't care about disenfranchised people, minorities. That's not you know their focus. Um, one thing that um, I took away, um, if there is any positive from at least to get from the January six um, you know insurrection, was that. There was a group of people who kind of, group of people who kind of took things into their own hands, right? You know, they they were upset about whatever. They took things into their own hands. Now, I don't agree with the way they did it, um, but you know, they did it. Their voices were heard. You know, whatever. Now, nothing changed, but their voices were heard. Um, so, my question to y'all would be: At what point do we kind of stop leaning on the government and trusting the government to protect us when they've shown that that's not their aim? Um, there's not their goal. I know there was a um, a bill that got passed by the police that, or not police, by the Supreme Court that's now not allowing you to uh, sue the police if they didn't read your Miranda rights. Um, so they no longer have to give you those rights. Tell your right, your right to remain silent. You know anything? All those things they don't have to tell you that anymore and face consequence. Um, so at what point do we kind of just take things into our own hands? I think we've gotten to that point. We got to that point a while ago, but it's really up to us to really become unified. We're not unified. <clears throat> We're still very much divided. So until we all get on the same page, this is going to be a continual cycle. These things are going to happen. We're going to get upset about them. Then they're going to waver off until the next thing happens. But we're at that point. Mm -hmm. We're there. I honestly cannot tell you what it's going to take for us to really get on the same page because I'll tell you this, they they on the same page. Okay? They are on the same page. So I mean and yeah, I don't I don't know what it's gonna take. And that was my uh, my next question. What would it take for us to become unified? I mean at this point us as a people we're we're so separate in even income levels, um in interest. Uh you know, our main goal growing up, I think we all just wanted to make it, right? you know, hit a certain tax bracket and make it. And, you know, I can say there's, you know, it's not a good bit of us who who feel the need to reach back. You know, maybe, you know, we don't feel the need to reach back because we may lose our place. You know, maybe not from the person we're reaching back from, but maybe from the person who gave it to us. Because uh, typically that person is a white person who put us in that position. You know, I mean, gives it opportunities. So do you guys even believe that at this point um, us unifying becomes a thing. I mean, you think about the civil rights movement, we all were kind of still in the same boat. 
during that time. Like there were a few, you know, who, you know, had to reach a certain status level, but a lot of those are entertainers, you know, actors. But when you talk about it as a whole, there wasn't a lot. Now we have doctors, we got lawyers, you know what I mean? We got people who, who have reached a certain income level and it doesn't necessarily benefit them, you know, to reach back and help. So what would it take? Or is it even possible for us to become one as a people? Or do we just kind of need to move in the pockets and, and serve what serves you? That's a tricky one. I think that that's a very complicated thing to add, answer, primarily because uh, I think the first part is bootstraps is a myth. Um, everybody is where they are because someone helped them. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the headspace that I got this and ain't nobody helped me get it. Um, well, that's not necessarily true. The other part of it is, so when you talked about like the Miranda rights, the rights didn't exist in the first place. It was just a formality when they said it, you know? And I think that a large part of what we see now is that we are so stratified. We are so separated and we go off on our own tangents because there's this sense of individualism that we have in the United States outside of us being black, but Look at what happened with COVID. Every man was literally for themselves. Every man was worried about themselves and their household. So what happens is when you're trying to navigate through a system, it's like, okay, so how do I get us on the same page? It's, it feels like it's damn near impossible because everybody is focused on what they have going on. So I definitely think it's the space for us to work in those pockets and work with our community groups and, and try to unify. But the federal government did a damn good job of making sure that we don't have another black messiah rise to the ranks. We Because what happened, it was a social experiment, I believe. You know, when you have all this COINTEL, pro and stuff going on, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Because now we can't get on the same page. Now we're different. And it's a whole lot of us, all skin folk and kin folk. You already know. A lot of us, now that we have the money, we have a lot of Republican views. We're just afraid to step on that side. We say a lot of the same stuff that white Republicans say about LGBTQ. We got a lot to say about taxes. That sounds just like the white folk that's up there on Capitol Hill. And I think that because we've gotten so far from where we should be or focused on where we should be going, that we forgot that we really all just cousins. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like nobody's looking at it like that anymore. Yeah. It's every man for themselves. And I think that that makes it extremely hard. But the resolution is, Focus on what you can control. Talk to the people that think like you, the people that want the same type of movement and action that you're after. You should congregate in those groups and create change. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, at this point, you know, the way I look at it, what the hell is that? Right? Oh. <laughs> Got it. Um. Yeah, so, and I think that's a real good point, too, because, I mean, when you look at it, I do believe that we're kind of just that far removed from, you know, being just that one group who can move toward, you know, I don't see there being another Million Man March, because um, I don't see a million men on the same page anymore, um, and that's okay, that's okay, you know what I mean, we, we don't necessarily have to do that, but you know, when these issues arise, and I bring that, I brought that up because the issues arise, and the first thing people say is, you know, we're not unified, we're not together, we're not on the same page. Black people need to do X, Y, and Z, which at this point in society, I don't even know if there's, you know, 
enough black people in the same predicament in any situation, you know what I mean, to really move and make change. I mean, besides us being killed by the police, but again, like you said, there's a lot of black folks who never saw that. Um, there's a kid on TikTok, um, there's a video came out a few weeks ago, and he's talking about how everybody hates him because of how he talks, and it's not his fault that he has all this money and all this, you know, his family has all this wealth, and he went to private schools, and there was all this, and, and obviously in the first 10 seconds, I knew why they didn't like him, you know what I mean, that you could tell, but there are a lot of people, a lot of folks who, who, who didn't grow up the way we grew up, and there's going to be even more. You know, as we evolve and we advance, I mean, you know, Tiffany, I know you have kids, Maj, you do too. And I know, you know, the way that y'all grew up and then, you know, ask you whenever you do, I know when I, whenever I do, I don't want my kids to grow up the way I did, right? We always want to be better. So how do we instill those principles that we grew up with and still find a way um, to advance them as well, right? Like, how do you find that balance? I can jump in. I didn't know if Ma wanted to say something, but I think as a people, the first thing that we have to do is we have to stop assimilating like success with whiteness. Because the more we tell people that if you do this or if you go to this school, then you'll become more likable. At the end of the day, the white folk gonna still call you a nigga when you walk out the room. So I think if we take a step towards, you know, actually acknowledge that we do that. Because just because you get this job at this place, it makes you no less of a nigga. Just because you decide to send your children to private school or Ivy League school, it makes you no different than the rest of us. Um, you may have different resources, and that's a whole nother conversation. But I think that a part of the first step is we have to change the way we talk about what it looks like to be in certain spaces because it, it does something to the rest of us that are not in those spaces and it stratifies us. So like when you're saying, oh boy, on TikTok, it wasn't the fact that people didn't like him because he had money. It was the way that he presented himself because he had money. And that's something that probably came from his parents. Mm -hmm. And I just think as a community, that's, that's a good, that's a damn good place to start because we do it a lot. We think that if we talk different, if we dress different, if we act different or if we become more presentable in, in white spaces, that it'll make us more palatable. You still nasty to them. <laughs> you still, it's not, you're not their taste. They, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I just wish that we would get that through our nappy ass heads, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that's very important. Um, just like Tiff was saying, that we that we educate that we educate everyone you know that you can obtain that success but don't let that don't let that like get allow you to get the big head um because that's what happens and when you you know when you add in the classism and the elitism you know that some people feel i think that really kind of it kind of fucks things up <laughs> if i could just be honest when it comes down to it like we like we all if you probably haven't done it, you know, indirectly, or I've seen people, you know, once they've gotten like a certain job, they've made comments about other people um, with certain stuff. And I'm like, you know, like, it's cool. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're still on the same playing field. I always tell people one thing that I admire um, about the other side of the tracks <laughs> is that when they deal with situations, they can be dead wrong, but they stick to the code. They stick to the cold like no other. And I I salute that because with us, time something happened, we're divided. Yeah. The other side, time they they know they know so and so dead ass wrong. But guess what? They they got a public front. They're gonna be together united. 
and they're going to make sure, you know, that they stick together and then they'll handle them on their own afterwards. So I think it's just very important, like Tiff was saying that, you know, when it comes to us that we just find, we find a way to unite. Um, and it's something that I believe Tiffany or Zadonna said on Lime Timeline a long time ago is that it's important that everybody knows their role that they're going to play. Um, and that's how you're going to get a lot more success and getting things to turn over. Like you're going to need people in the streets. You're going to need people in the organizations. You're going to need people to get to the top of these, you know, these organizations, these companies, these CEOs. And then from there, you know, that's how we get that representation in the room. But what we're seeing is a lot of people are climbing. And once they get to that point, they flip. Yeah, absolutely. And then once they flip, now we, we screw. We, we back to the drawing board. We scrambling. Yeah. And, and, I, and I agree because, I mean, when we – as a people, you know, we're all taught, you know, what I mean, that we're, you know, we're just taught to kind of get to the top at the end of the day. So what you have is either you have leaders or people pretend to be leaders. You know, the way I always, you know, references is a bunch of Zazus uh, pretending to be Mufasa, right? Like a lot of folks that want to be this king, that want to be this person, and that's not you. And even when it's showing that it's not you, it's hard for you to take direction. So when you speak about you know, people playing roles, it's hard to play roles when everybody thinks they're a leader. Everybody thinks they're supposed to be doing this X, Y, and Z. It doesn't work, you know. And for me, especially with our people, what I've seen a lot of is two extremes. I've either seen people going to, you know, the end of the world to pretend, you know, to, to show how black they are or to the other end of the world to show how black they're not. And it's this back and forth thing, you know what I mean? I'm not that black, look at me, I'm successful. Or I'm pro-black, look at me, I made it and I did X, Y, and Z. But you're not black enough, so you can't come with me. So it becomes these this back and forth thing and, and there's no real balance in it. Um, and I didn't think this conversation would kind of take the turn of, you know, doom and gloom for black folks. Um, but I do think it's a real it's a real thing. And, and I think it's tough, you know, for us and it's going to be tougher because be of the individual individualism that we teach each other, um, which is nothing wrong with it. Um, but there has to be some kind of collective as well. I mean, when you think about the best leaders, the best of the best, I see it all the time with kids now, especially with where I work. The best kids, the smarter kids, the, the great athletes, they're all going to these private schools. You know what I mean? So what's left is the ones that may need a little bit of help, and they're in the public schools, and they're not seeing that. You know, so... It's tough. It's tough. I don't, I mean, I really, I don't have children. Um, so I don't know where we go. Oh, after. oh my, I thought you were saying something. But um, yeah, so I don't know where we go next or how we move, but there has to be something. Um, Maj, you spoke to a code, um, you know, that, that white people have. And I thought about it when you said it. Do we have one? Like, do we have a code that we follow? I we think, not. <laughs> I think some I I think some of us have a code, but I don't think it's like a unified code as as they have. I think we there there's an opportunity, you know, for us to get better when it comes around those things. Mm -hmm. Um just just unifying and, and getting us on the same page. Yeah. Um when I think about a code, the only thing only code I can think of that's universal among black people is not stitching. Like that's exactly, it. that's the only one. That's all we that's got. The only you know, I mean, that's just but, universal. I mean, we have also all. Obviously, we have our morals, but to me, the only thing I can think of that we have that we all follow to a T for the most part is not snitching. 
Tiff, one thing, one, one thing I want to add because I know Doctor Tiff, you about to bring it right quick because I was trying to, <laughs> I, I forgot it as I was saying it, but um, not not to get off on the whole mental health, you know, train, but something that I think is very important is that when it comes to code and how can we like change things, a large amount of African Americans operate in a survivor's man mentality, yeah, in a survivor's mindset, and you know, I always speak on this when I speak of therapy because that's something that was passed down to me you know, just because how I was raised in certain situations that my parents encountered. So I think it's very important, you know, for us as African-Americans to unify. I think one of those biggest things is, you know, hate to sound like Charlemagne, but we got to heal. Like, it's very important for more, like, it's so much damn healing that has to take place. You know, when they talk about, you know, the 400-year the gap and how, you know, um, white Americans, you know, are ahead of us and things, like, it's more than just monetary value. Like, it's a lot that we lost within that. And I think our generation is doing a good job of that. But when you look at, and I can just speak for myself, when you look at, you know, people, a large amount of people that are operating in a survivor's mentality, that's that I'm in it for myself mindset. It's like, you know, I'm going to help to an extent, but I'm really in it for myself right now. And let me make sure I got this together so I can help you. And then when people operate like that, you really operate out of, if I do help others, who's going to have my back? And that's where that mistrust and that hurt comes in. So I think that plays a huge part in it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, Ma, that I think if we are self-aware and we just look at our people, just everything that's going on with Black folks is a trauma response. And that determines how we adjust. So when Boo talks about the two ends of the spectrum as a trauma response. Eve, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm going to be like, I am who I am, and that's who I am. Or I'm going to assimilate to whiteness because I'll do whatever it takes to be chosen, to be seen, to be viewed differently because I don't want to be in survival mode all the time. I don't want to feel like I am grouped with the least of them. And when you look at it in terms of like a trauma response, and we understand that all of us are in survival mode. So whatever I got to do to survive, that's what I'm with, right? But the part of that is when you talk about, you know, like what Charlemagne says, like healing needs to take place. You have to have the right therapeutic environment to heal. I can't have a gunshot wound and put a dirty bandage on it and expect things to heal appropriately, right? That's not going to work. That's not going to cut it. I can't go through all of these things 400, 450 years and then look at the conditions that we are telling people to heal in. Nothing has changed. We just have more access to media. So heal, but how? And a lot of us are healing wrong because we don't have the therapeutic space to heal to begin with. So whatever we're adapting to, whatever dirty bandages they've given us to kind of wrap these wounds in, that's we making the best of it. So we got infections, we got crazy, we got crime, we got all this crap. You get what I'm saying? But all of this is the direct result of a system. And that system is working the exact way that it's supposed to work. It's just to our detriment. And that's just the part praying. about it. Pray, just around right. here praying. Praying and hoping. <laughs> this is why I think that it's 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 um just this you know go back to what T was saying like it's it's a very complicated thing to answer and just like Ma was saying like um survival mode it's so deep rooted it's so deep rooted we have to uproot okay and we haven't we even with everything that we've done thus far far we haven't uprooted anything and we're going to continue these cycles until we literally 
dig deep to the foundation of all of this and uproot it. Or we're going to continue to be in survival mode. And I also feel like um, having good examples in front of you. I know everyone may not have access to people who are black people who are successful and are still, you know, you know, keeping it real. But there are some people, some of us who do have those examples in front of us to say, you know, I can be successful. I can still be successful and I can still be over here and understand, you know, um, what's going on with my people, still fight for my people. But I think it's necessary to have those examples in front of us because some people honestly think success equates me appeasing the whites or whoever else. They don't have an example of a black family who's successful, but still, you know, keeping it real. Actually, I like, I'm going to add quickly. I like what you said about the examples and, um, Something I think is very important is that we are the generation and we are those individuals that are blessed to be the examples that we wish we had when we were younger. Um, something that I thought was really cool last year, um, shout out to Juan, one of my friends, but Juan came to Charlotte. He was on, on one of his college tours for his silent headphones business. And he was like, hey, I'm coming through. I want to spend time with the kids. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, like we'll, you know, we'll be at the house. We'll be doing X, Y, Z. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to be very intentional you know, was spending time you know, around, you know, my boy's kids, you know, just seeing them and showing up for them. And when he came to the house and we were talking about things, something that we realized was that when you grow up, you know, if you're inner city youth, you know, what, whatever your predicament is, you know, lots of times we don't see a lot of things. I grew up on the west side of Savannah um, before I moved to the east side. I never saw anybody running in the neighborhood. Like if you was running, you was running from the police. Um, so like, so things like that, for example, or, you know, it was, you know, we, we saw some people in the government, we saw everybody on TV, you know, we saw ball players, things of that nature. But the great thing about our generation, and I think the success that everyone is achieving is we have that opportunity to present that to kids that may not see that on a normal. So that's why he was saying, you know, something that, and I've started doing that now. Is he like all of your friends that have kids? You need to be intentional, you know, just you know, just being around your friend, being around them, and as they grow, having those conversations. Like Tiffany's a doctor. My family ain't know no damn doctors when I was growing up. <laughs> so now, when Tiffany come over, hey Landon, hey Landon, is this your auntie Tiffany? She's a doctor. They're exposed to that at an early age, and I think that is going to do a lot for the upcoming generations because of the strides and because of the sacrifices that we've made, it's going to open their eyes to a lot more things. And then from there, I think life will just be different from them because they're going to, they have, they grew up with all these great examples that, you know, and what their quality of life is kind of like the, the snob, the guy that y'all was talking about from TikTok, you know, like not saying they're going to be like him, but uh, this generation of kids, they're going to have a lot more examples growing up. So when they do, you know, come into, you know, decision-making career choices and being self-aware, they're going to have these examples to draw back from versus a lot of us had to wait till we got to college or after college. And then we ran into all these people like, you know what? I can do this. I, I can do that. And I think that's a good space too, Maude, to take it outside of our friend groups as well, because most of the time we, we kick it with people that are like-minded, right? So, but what about the kids that's down at WWE Law? What about the kids that's yep. at the Delaware Center? You know what I mean? So it's, it's almost like even in that, so yes, I get to come over and I get to see TT's babies and I talk to them and we talk about what I do at my job, but there are so many children that are left behind and it's like, how do we reach them 
And I think about, you know, like Ma said, when I was in high school, I didn't know people that were doing what we were doing. You know, people left the city and ain't look back. Um, but how do we, I, I just, you know what I'm saying? I get, take it a step further and do something for the kids that, because there's some kids out here that really, really need us. They need us to pour into them because this generation that's coming up behind us, they ain't scared of nothing. And evil is like just drawing them in. Like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like it's alluring and it's almost like they're hopeless. You get what I'm saying? Like you can look at some young folk now and it's not, they don't even have light in their eyes. And it's heartbreaking. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, I encourage us on this, you know what I'm saying? This platform to just take it a step further and go beyond the children that are in your friend groups because I know y'all. You get what I'm saying? Y'all was raised with some sense. And if y'all weren't, y'all done got some sense. You get what I'm saying? So for the most part, I know y'all kids going to be straight. You get what I'm saying? But it's like, it's some kids out there that were raised by the rest of the folks we went to school with. Yeah. Right? That don't have the resources that we were afforded. Right? So they kids need help too. So I think that that's Take it a step further. Step outside of your circle of friends and their children and do what you can to help somebody else's kids too because it's so much bigger than us. You get what I'm saying? And I know for me, like, when they're ready to put me in the ground, I definitely want lots of people to be able to speak to the type of person that I was. Not just my family. You get what I'm saying? Like, I just, I, I just want to be so intentional about leaving here empty. So I encourage everybody else to do the same. Yeah. Tiff, with that, I do think it's important that we can. Um, if you're not want to, if you're not want to organize, and everybody doesn't want to like put together stuff, I think that's where this involvement comes into play. So, like, I was listening to Booby and Izzy's podcast episode when I was on the road last night, and he has an Izzy that Izzy DJ Izzy. He's from Savannah. He's really successful. He's in Virginia, so he does a huge community thing in Virginia right now. And um, I didn't know until I was speaking. Well, not speaking when I was listening to the podcast on last night. He was saying that he was a part of the uh, proclamation for um, Seaport Day for Port. Day that they have Mr. Man with Rayshawn and a lot of other guys and he was saying that he's working on doing an Izzy and Friends day in Savannah as well so I say that to say you know everybody doesn't want to you know be the, the face of things everybody doesn't doesn't know how to go out and just you know pour into people you know if you're in that situation I would just look into you know some others that may already have things going and may have things in the work and just say that hey how, how can I volunteer you know how can I volunteer how can I be a part of this and you could be out Hell, passing out bad, bad lunches and sandwiches and just ask them, hey, how you, how's your day doing? How's school going? What are your future plans? And just those little questions could be extremely impactful. Yeah, and, and something that, t- that t- uh, touched on that, that I think was very interesting was just that fearlessness that these kids have. Um, they're not afraid of anything. And I think that if we catch them early enough, if we reach out to them, we pour into them early enough, that fearlessness can take them places. I remember growing up, I talked a lot, a whole lot. And I remember that everybody would always tell me, you need to be a lawyer, you need to be a lawyer. And as I got older, I started looking into what it would take to be one. And I was like, nah, that's too much. That was fear. Um, If we could find a way to harness that fearlessness and apply it to these different different professions and different uh, skills and trades, like there's a a certain, it's a different level of children 
that we could raise, like a whole different generation that we could raise that's not afraid of anything, not to, they don't take no for an answer. They're going to find a way. The problem is, is now they just find a way to do the wrong thing, um, you know, a vast majority of them. But if we can raise a, a group, a, a culture, and, and, and create a culture of not taking no for an answer and becoming great, you know, I think that's that that's that's the next step. That's the next step in the evolution of us as a people. That's what closed that that will, will close that four hundred year gap. You know, that's the thing. Because we can close it. It's not gonna take us four hundred years to close the gap. And, you know, we spoken about our generations being that kind of bridge, right? We remember, you know, recording uh tapes on the on the radio. You know, and we we got you know streaming now. Like we remember all this. Remember selling burnt CDs in the, in the, in the school. You know, and, and now just going finding whatever you want. You know, so us in just learning how to do that stuff and be introduced to all this different technology and, and mastering it. This next group of kids. I mean, I know y'all have all seen a toddler with an iPad, and it's crazy. You know, put a toddler with an iPad, and then put a, a seventy year old with an iPad. <laughs> and just watch the difference You know what I mean They can't even speak But they can work this iPad They know exactly what to go to I watch my niece and I'm amazed Just to see her Go on, you go on Netflix On the iPad Find a show that she wants to watch Sit there Watch it Turn the volume up Put the headphones on She don't need you for nothing So taking that And saying well damn What you gonna be doing when you 16 Like where can you be at 25 Where can you be at 30 32 40. Like, what can you be doing now? Because you can't even talk back to me right now, but you've seen enough just to know how to do this. You know, so what happens when we can communicate and I can really pour into you? And I think that's where, you know, it happens. A lot of these kids don't have anybody who's really talking to them. You know, they're talking at them. They just tell them what they're doing wrong, you know, but they're not giving them anything to kind of eat and grow from. Um, so I think that's very, very important. Um so transition a little bit, um, obviously elephant in the room, um, speaking of children, um, is today the, uh, the Roe versus Wade decision was overturned, um, by the Supreme Court. Um, one of the main justice, one of the justices actually overturned is one Savannah's own, uh, they say he's from Savannah. Um, <laughs> um, um, Clarence we don't Tom. claim him. Yeah. He's not one of us. Yeah, not at all. Not one of us at all. Um, so I know for me, upon seeing it, I think I've become, and we, we, we spoke to this when we were recording a lot of timeline, right? A topic would, would be presented. We would ask how we were felt, and we would speak to a certain numbness, right? And not being surprised and just, okay, just something else that we have to deal with. That was my reaction. I don't even know if I've actually really processed it, you know, just yet. Um, but for some of y'all who may have, um, what does that mean to you, and what do you feel like that's going to look like going forward? I think it's more than just abortion. Mm -hmm. Any kind of control that they can have over the woman's body. It's so much deeper than abortion, and people are... And, and one thing that kind of is, is disappointing me, I'm a believer, mm -hmm. okay? I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus. Um, and just seeing how some of us are celebrating... There are women who have been raped, children who have been raped, young girls getting pregnant, abused, molested. We don't know the situation. So for us to be so holy and high minded to, to celebrate and basically the government, a white man telling a woman what she can do with her body, not knowing that woman's backstory is, is, is crazy to me. 
in the Bible, and we all know God, he, he, he doesn't force us to serve him. He is a God of choice. And if we are so passionate about abortion being wrong, please let them let them take that up with God and leave it alone. That is my whole stance on it. And it's just so disappointing seeing people cheering. You don't know the very person that, that saw your post talking about, amen, praise, I'm so excited. She could have been a rape victim. Like, I think it's so insensitive how we're handling it. Yes, have your beliefs. That is fine. But leave that, leave it up to God. That's my whole thing on this whole matter. Leave it up to God. It's so disheartening. And I think those same people who are just so excited have no idea how much more deeper this is than just abortion. They have no idea, but they finna find out. Hey, listen, okay? They about to find out that fat meat is greasy, okay? That's what the old folks say. Walk around so, and find out. You heard <laughs> So the other part for me is we have to take it a step further. So if you're telling me that I can't get an abortion, how would you find out? Which means it's bigger than abortion, which means that you are putting yourself in a position that these people will investigate your health records. You get what I'm saying? It's so much bigger than what we are looking at right now. Because, okay, let's say we want to talk about the sisters in church. Her and her husband, they conceived the baby, but she has a miscarriage. There's actually a procedure that you have to do to get the rest of the fetus out in case you have not passed it all. And you know what happens if you don't? It can become septic. You know what happens when you have something septic in your body? You can die. So the other part is if I decide that I don't want to have a baby by a man it doesn't even have to be an extreme circumstance it can just be the fact that you know what this probably is not in our best interest right now let me go ahead and fix this because it damn sure ain't no formula on the shelf at the grocery store so let me go ahead and do what i need to do but when you take it a step further and you look at what they're doing to doctors doctors can be charged now if you get what I'm saying? If they decide to carry out these procedures, I want us to get into the space where we no longer look at abortion as something that has to be a response to something catastrophic like rape or miscarriages. If a woman does not want to have a baby, she should not have that baby. That is her right. I just wish everybody would worry about their own bodies and get out of other people's pussy. Please. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, growing up, man, my pops used to always tell me he, he had a lot of different sayings. If you listen to podcasts, like I repeat them and regurgitate them verbatim all the time. Um, one thing he always told me was if you want to find out the root of anything, whether it be the government, whether it be a person, whether follow the money. He's always telling me just follow the money. If you find out where the as soon as you get to where the money is involved. That's going to tell you exactly the reason, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, one thing that I saw in kind of the, the, the lead up to this decision was two things. One, the, the fact that African-Americans, um, you know, Hispanics were growing in a way that in the next 15 to 20 years, um, Caucasians will become a minority in this country. Um, when you look at, you know, Georgia becoming a blue state, you know, there's no question that part of that is because of the black and brown people who relocated to the state. 
um, the power that's being lost when the rights of old is being exercised. Um, so that's the first thing, and that's, there's money in that. Uh, the second thing, and something I thought about um, you know, while y'all were talking, was one of the main ways that they controlled our people was through welfare, was through you know, all these government assistance programs. Um, and it was had because there were a lot of um, you know, single mothers out there who had these children who they couldn't at the time afford to take care of. Do you feel as if maybe this is an attack on those same women to try to get those numbers up? Because now, you know, we're looking at now as African-American women being the most educated women um, or actually the most educated segment of people in the country. Right. You see the, the money that you all are making. I mean, I've gone to brunch and seen y'all spend money like drug dealers every single time. Um, you know, I see y'all on couches. I see y'all spraying bottles of champagne every single time, right? So, do you got? Do you do you feel like there's a chance that this is um, just an attack, a ploy? This is, you know, let's try to get these numbers back where we need them, um, or do you feel like it's something else, something maybe a little more sinister? I personally feel like it's always an ulterior motive, always. In addition to that. Like you said, but we follow the money. It's not even about kids. They don't give a damn about kids. Okay. A whole bunch of kids just got shot at a school in Texas. Right. So I think it's more so about control. And because, see, when you follow the money, you recognize that a lot of these rich white folks have the money to send their cute little daughters that may be pregnant by those black athletes that they fetish. I have the money to send them across state lines. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we look at this as a system of like demobilization, you get what I'm saying? Like when we really look at this and we follow the money and we look at this as a system of control, then all of it makes sense because we following the money. You mean to tell me you think the white girl ain't got no abortion? Or Please, ready to get one? Tell them. Tell them. Because they sitting at the dinner table, you're disgracing this family. Yep. But they got the money. To make up, you know what I'm saying? They got yeah. the money to fix it. Is that's quick? That's nothing. Yeah, you got to make me shine. Look at when we look at what's happening with black and brown women that are giving birth, and how high fetal and maternal death rates are when we give birth or have any type of birthing experience. The way black, you know, black women tell doctors about how we feel and what hurts and how we are not listened to. When you have to think about like all these things, you have to take all of these things into consideration. So on top of that, you telling me that I cannot. Abort this baby. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. What happens? Absolutely. Indeed. I literally had a friend a week ago tell me about her experience with um her doctor. It was a white woman. Literally, what you just said is what she experienced. Okay. Yeah. And, literally. And, and and I don't know if you all saw there was a documentary. Um, actually, my mom had me watch it with her. Um, and it was an Oprah documentary, and it was called uh, "The Color of Care." Now, it came on, I forgot the name of the channel. It was some shit that we would never watch. Um, so I don't know where she found it, but um, it spoke to that, right? It spoke to black people in the healthcare system and how we're treated, how we're kind of, there's this assumption that our pain tolerance is, is sky high, you know, so we're not hurting as much as, as our white counterparts. Um, you know, so the, the medications that we're given may not be as strong. Um, now it's backfired on some of them because the opioid crisis ain't us, you know what I mean? You know that that's not us doing that. So it backfired a little bit. Um, but 
you know, the fact of the matter is it's still a thing. You know, they spoke to, you know, the whole COVID um, pandemic and how black people were being treated in the pandemic. We were being turned away at hospitals, told that the hospital was full. There's no beds and there's plenty. There's no beds for you. You know what I mean? So I, I think that all of this just falls in line with that. Um, but again, it goes back to, to an earlier question in this episode where it's what do we do? You know, Tiff, I know you work in healthcare. Um, you know, so so for you from your viewpoint, what what can we do? What what can we do to kind of invoke this change? Like what can happen, you know, if, if we don't So Yeah. There is actually a network and lots of networks that have existed for this very reason. Because what happens when you ban abortions is abortions are not going to stop. Safe abortions are going to stop. And people are going to seek the resources that they need for a quick remedy. So there are networks that exist. You're going to have to do a little digging on your own. But there are networks that exist for this very reason. They help you find transportation to get the type of services that you need. They help you find obstetricians and gynecologists and all type of doctors that can help you to handle your business and take care of what it is that you need to take care of. Um, And then the other part is, you know, when we talk about black bodies, you know, and how they view us and how they view our pain tolerance, we're going to have to do a little extra to find these resources. But there are safe havens for women and their families that know that they can't take on the burden of having another child. So I definitely encourage people to to do some research, careful research, talk to people, um, and an emphasis on careful, because if you think these people ain't watching what you type, watching what you put in your period tracker app, when you ovulating, when you miss your period and all that other stuff, I hope y'all picking up what I'm putting down. Go ahead and get you one of them calendars we had in middle school. <laughs> get you an ink pen and get the writing when your period start and when it ends. Because if you think that these companies are not selling data that talks about when your period comes on, when you should expect it, how it comes on every 26 to 27 days, you are out your damn mind. So I encourage people to just find resources that... Um, that, you know, could help them handle their business the way that it needs to be handled because nobody, we are living in a, a state where ain't nobody about to give us, they weren't giving us nothing already, but they ain't about to give us a damn thing for real now. So do what you can to find what you need. No, it's facts, man, it's facts. Um, <sighs> that was deep, that was heavy. Um, So shifting gears a little bit, man, Um. I know we're all aware of the uh, the YSL case. So that's Young Thug, that's Gunner, that's all these different artists in Atlanta um, who've been arrested and charged with the RICO charge. Um, as usual, everybody turned into uh, Angela Valdez um, from Power as soon as it came out. Everybody had these opinions on what a RICO is and what's going to happen next and all this other shit. Um, one thing that, that struck me was the fact that they were using lyrics from songs um, in the court case to kind of prove their point. You know, they're, they're using lyrics to them talking about different crimes being committed and using that as evidence. Um, before uh, DMX passed, um, he did a versus uh, with, uh, with Snoop, and they played one of his songs that I like the most, and, it, and it's just slipping, and he spoke about writing that pain. Like, he spoke about putting it on paper. He spoke about putting down what you went through 
on wax. Let's go ahead and make a song about it. You know who can relate to, but also it's kind of a release in a way for you to heal as well. Um, so what are your what are y'all's thoughts upon artists saying those kind of things? Like yo, like put this on wax and then turn it around and you're being prosecuted for the exact same thing that you're putting just as a release. I personally don't think it's fair because I do question are they are they using the lyrics of like these heavy metal artists who be going crazy in their songs like I just wonder but I mean I don't think it's fair but now we know that's what they move so I would hope that maybe we will move a little differently going forward with our music but again I don't think it's right that they can pull someone's song Ashley you said you wish we would do what <laughs> you ain't heard me. I just want to make sure I heard you right. You say you want to make sure we do what we we do what with our music. I don't know. Maybe like move a little different, move a little smarter. Now that we know <laughs> that's what they doing. That's the kind of time they own. Now Beyonce just came out with "You Ain't Gonna Break My Soul" and niggas was crying, talking about we don't want to hit us. She talking about we don't break my soul. And you think that we gonna move? I mean, granted, you know they gave a couple of days, not not like it now. But you see the backlash she got, and you want niggas to get on their records and be talking about um dropping kids off dick here. <laughs> 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 not, not dropping, not you dropping really kids. Like, well, you know like what? You know what? They, like they, I'm they not, I'm not might, being that literal. Not that they literal. Might, they actually might need to do that. Now that you're you talking about it, they might need to talk about dropping kids off the daycare more and the parent pickup line and have more dads in it. So that, that might be a good idea, actually. You don't I'm just saying, not not giving, giving whatever tips they think they get, like, you know, shot pookie or whatever. Like, I don't know, because clearly that's what they're doing. Yeah, no. Nah. That's where it gets messy. So right. just, I hate to get, like, deep, deep. But when you look at the context of what hip-hop is and where hip-hop came from, it's real-life experiences. Right. Like, so, yes, Black people, we, we're responsible for all types of music. I get that. But hip-hop came, like, out of the ghetto of New York. People rapping about the experiences that they were living. You get what I'm saying? Sharing those experiences with the world. So what happens is, that's consistent with what we hear in rap now. You get what I'm saying? This, these, this drill songs, these kids bout that, okay? And yeah. these are the experiences Crazy. that they're living. These are the experience. These are the things that they've seen. You get what I'm saying? They mama, you know, they talking about mamas on drugs. Yep. It's Twelve years old, and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that it's that it's being used that way. But I think the other part is, the messy part is we have to look at how music shifts culture mm -hmm. and how, what it does to people. There's a certain song that you can listen to and it can change your mood. You get what I'm saying? You can be drinking. It's certain type of music you want to listen to. You can be smoking. It's certain music you can listen to. You about to fight. You about to pull up and you want to meet her at Dad and Park so y'all can fight. It's certain music that's playing on the way there in the car. You feel what I'm Nothing saying? And book. I think yep. I beat your ass. Yep. Very good. And I think that that changes the way that we look at it. So it's 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 a catch twenty two because. It, in some spaces, it definitely could be just lyrics. You know, we don't really watch movies and then go try to emulate what we saw in the movie. But when we are in this space of like consistent media being thrown onto us, prime example, 
I promise you, I didn't know how many people were having like just crazy relationship issues until we started to see more reality TV. It's almost like people kind of took that stuff and turned it inward and somebody had to be the villain in the friend group. Somebody had, to, it was almost like people were starting to thrive off of having toxic relationships more than we had ever seen before. But that's because that was consistently being like fed to them through means of media. So what happens with the music? You get what I'm saying? And it's like, it, it's perpetuating a cycle and I hate it because the kids going to hear it. You said yeah. that you got a Glock. And you, that's, the, the blicky in the <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's like all of these things are happening and it's just like, yeah, that's, what do you do with that? They ask me why. Yeah, they asking why these kids walk around these hoodies on. It's a reason. If you know, you know. It's Hello? A, Hello? Yeah, yeah, it's a reason why these kids. Yeah, they nah, ain't cold. Yeah. Yeah, they ain't, are not cold. They ain't cold. But I, I would say, I, I don't, I'm not saying, like, take anything away from our culture or our experiences, but we got to move smart. These white folks out here moving smart. Our pain is profitable. So I think that's the other part that we have to talk about. Yeah. Blast. Who you yeah. think? You, hello? But who you think? So when these, when these young dudes go down to the studio, who name you think signing the bottom of the check? It's some rich, white, Jewish man. You get the song that's co-signing this. And, and like Tank was just on a podcast. Tank was just like, it's a reason why you get saying? we've kind of transitioned from doing the whole R&B thing. Now everybody talking about, I kill you and I do this and I treat your grandma and all that stuff. Because the pain of black people is profitable. They won't. Absolutely. So it's just kind of like, what do we do? Yeah, what I do mean, we do? Yeah, and that's look okay. at Daria. Look at Daria, man, black woman. How much money in that movie, man? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but not, me. <laughs> but yeah, like and honestly, and that's a fair point. Can you think about R and B music in its peak was in the nineties and all we yeah. saw in the nineties was just black love, right? Even the movies from Boomerang, you know, and Love Jones and all these movies coming out and it was all black love, you know, until you, and then you see that shift, right? Um, to what hip hop White has man said, I, I, nope, nope. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's too too much of that. Too much of that. Let's pull that back a little bit. Y'all like each other too damn much. Let's pull this back. Let's get some culture. I mean, and even you know, Mod, you talk a lot about you know club culture and how it shifted. And you know, I, I was recently reading something that talked about it's the music. It's what the music. You know, it used to be we went to the club. You know, what I mean, we going to the club. We going to dance. We going to drink. You know what I'm saying for, for you know for the fellas. Yeah, tank on E. Pull yes. e. Boots yeah. said pull up in the VIP. That wasn't a section. That was just like the VIP. Yeah. Like when right. we used to go to Frozen, I pull VIP up. was the upstairs. Oh, hello, yeah. VIP was we cutting the line. VIP was cutting the line. Like put it to the club. VIP. That is it. And on top of that, ain't no more dance floor. It's hookah tables That's it. on the damn dance floor. Hookah, smoke hookah. So because nobody's dancing anymore, party promoters are getting paid to sell you a section and to get you on the hookah table and buy a bottle while you're sitting down. You get what I'm saying? Like it's things have changed. We used to be in the parties dancing all night. Yeah. We used to be a culture. It was a culture, yeah, a proper country. You going to dance? Now you going to, to the club? You don't know who gonna get hurt, who gonna get shot, who gonna get beat yeah. up. I and mean, well, yeah, we used to get the fight in there, but it, it, it's different. We got a we think think a lot of a lot of oomps, oomps music dropped this week, so hopefully they're gonna be dancing this summer. And I think about the girls that be in the section, right? Yeah. 
Remember the whole club used to look like the girls that was in the section? Mm-hmm. So now it's almost like when the girls in the section on the couch turning up, everybody looking, oh, they turn. But that used to be all of us. The whole yep. club used to look like that. The section's the show. Oh. The section's the show. Yeah. You come to the club and watch the folks in the section, and it's, it's to me, it's sick. It's ill. I mean, I, I just it's don't stupid. understand. It's very stupid. I'm not paying my money two, to watch y'all. Two things. We can run with this, but somebody needs to throw a party called No Sections when there's no sections allowed. Yeah. Do it, Ma! Do it, Ma! Yeah, I go thinking. Yeah, I go thinking. But on top of that, we have been to, me and Tiffany, this is why when people go to Grits and Biscuits, to Trap Karaoke, to R&B only, this is why these parties are so successful because there are no sections in those parties. Nope. It's literally just everybody standing around and if you've been to any of those events you have the time of your life a ball and it's over about and it's over at one o'clock yeah i just went yeah i just went to the one in in raleigh the r&b only in raleigh and it was literally just folks just dancing that's it like just dancing enjoying ourselves no as the funny part about it we actually paid for the like the little vip was like the little upstairs section everybody was downstairs we wasted our money everybody was downstairs in the mix Dancing, enjoying ourselves, having a good time with shows, it's still a thing, right? Like, literally, like, and y'all know me, I'm down there dancing, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and thank God there's no video of this, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> like, I'm down there dancing, you know what I mean? So, it's still a profitable, profitable thing, but thing is, again, the music shifts it, the music isn't yeah. that anymore. Right, so then we we talked about that rich white Jewish man who's funding this music. He's funding a certain type of music. He's funding music that's getting you out of enjoying yourselves, having a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Were there fights when we when we were growing up in the parties? Sure, we knew when the fight was gonna start. It's a certain set that starts, right? So it's gonna start with I beat your ass, right? This is gonna knock if you buck. And as soon as they play Lil John, throw it up. They about to fight. It's it be out to fight. Just get out of the way. When that happens, I want you not gonna make it to Bohagen's first. We are not gonna make not it to Bohagen's first. Just go ahead, get All first. it's gonna take is that one nigga throwing up west side and he bumping this nigga in front of him and he keep doing it. Then the poem boys see it, you know what I'm saying? And it's gonna be a fight. Me, I went to the bar. When when they started playing that shit, I went to the bar. When vice versa started playing, I went to the bar. I know what mindset it puts you in. I'm finna go. I'm about to go take a picture real quick. Like I, I'm not gonna do that. I ain't doing that, but again, it's the it's the music that we're hearing. If you, you, I don't know if there's a song besides the new Oons Oons music that we've got that I could think of that makes you want to dance in hip hop. I can't think of one right now. You know what I mean? That's currently out now that makes you want to dance. Like it's all again, it's section music. It's hold the bottle up music. It's hookah music. It's let me stay on this couch real quick. Let me show you know what I mean. Let me spend my rent money real quick on this and just hope for the best. You know what I mean? So. It's just the Aesthetics culture. Aesthetics have changed, oh, right? Sure. Everything is for Instagram, right? So the lighting that you have in the section, the the hookah, you know what I'm saying? You got everybody on Instagram. You had a party and you on your phone blowing smoke grass, into the, the grass wall. Think about, you see the grass wall. We love a good grass wall, okay? But I think about when we was at the party, y'all, we used to look a hot, you was cute there. When you left the club, you look like you left the club. Your clothes were soggy. Your shoes, your heels probably looked like this. The venues were nasty too. The floor was soaking wet, filthy, disgusting. My dog and my dog about being on that floor in the club. 
Uh-oh, we do not care about aesthetics. We do not care how it looks. Share with the class. <laughs> and don't. <laughs> don't. No, I don't. Because I was down there next to him. So now don't. And what about it? It's not a story. It's not a story we're gonna share on this podcast. <laughs> not this episode. We'll be saying some stuff gotta stay under the blood. Nah, hey, that's a fact. man. That's a fact. <laughs> Lord, let me Shout out to State Sparrow 2000. Was that 10? So now I'm going to tell the story. All right, so cool. So we're in State Sparrow. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the club, um, homecoming. Me, Booby, Ice, Jordan, the whole crew. Nasty group. I was actually on my best behavior. For the moment. Best, and this is like, you know, peak fat mod. When I'm fat mod on the road, the skinny mod, whatever's going on. I'm chilling in the party. So like it dancing, I think it was at the Pretty Ricky set, and niggas is pretty Rickying, and um, one person gets on one one person's picking the girl up, then the other person's on the flow, um, the other person's on the podcast is on the flow, and they getting all raunchy, and friend at the moment, and I'm chilling. So he actually was talking about how that music be pushing, so that spirit of Pretty Ricky. Had them took over. Yep. I done picked the girl up in the party, got in the air and everything. And my girlfriend at the time walks in direct. Once I do that, and I'm just like, bruh, I literally was chilling all night. The one time, so then Booby gets a booby like, oh boy, you in trouble. <laughs> you in trouble. <laughs> so nice. she walked past me and like, just, uh, Ran into my shoulder like I was like, God damn, girl! Like bumped into me and I was like, man, it's it's a rap, bro. So yeah, actually, yeah. to your point, the music is a horrible influence, but Booby was also a horrible influence. Yeah, it's always Booby. I blame it on Booby. He, <laughs> that music made my <laughs> horny, and he might lost his mind. That's all that. Happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the funny, but why we why we on pretty Rick, Ricky? Can we just can we please touch on last night? Please. Who we had a time last night. We had a time <laughs> last a night. Last night was a mess. It was a mess. Uh, that, how, uh, how Ray J let them boys start singing his song? That was... Uh, I don't know, man. That What y'all think it was? Was it crack? Was it shrooms? I don't okay. know. But literally, I feel like I my, my childhood was taken from me. I feel like I've been lied to because... What? Like they cannot literally the only one up there who could sing was What's Sammy Mario? and Mario. And really but Sammy was tripping too. That's because vocal training exists. You get what I'm saying? I, like when I think about what B2K was, it was us being teenage girls. You get what I'm saying? It was the the pandemonium. <laughs> Unintended around who B2K was. It was them being cute. It was them being a boy group. It was them, you know, like hormones are raging out of control. And now we have no goddamn peace, right? So it's all like we're we looking at them and it's we're going after that. They were dancing. So it was a show, but it wasn't any real musicality there. But then when you look at people like Sammy and Mario, people that had to stand alone, you get what I'm saying? Bobby V. He had a lot behind his sex appeal. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah hit a lot behind like the sexiness of the songs that he was singing. I think you know we're gonna we gonna go out on a limb and we're gonna pray for Jeremiah. I don't think Jeremiah bounced back after having COVID. Maybe he almost mm-hmm. died right. mm-hmm. a year or so ago from COVID. I don't think 
you know, that's that's working for him. He was up there forgetting the lyrics, and you know, they say brain fog is, is long COVID. All right, we're gonna pray for Jeremiah. But Mario that's what I'm on. You see what I'm saying? Mario still does vocal training. I remember at the um what was it, the Millennium Tour, he sounded the best. He was really good. He he sounded so good then, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Ray Mark J. And play. You, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Ray J lost it. I don't really think Ray J ever really had it. He you know? did it. I think he just, songs were just catchy, but you know. Yeah. yeah. And this and it was just wild to watch because it's you can see how many artists in, in the elite level of artists you have to be to kind of sustain what the greats have, right? You saw a tank came out there and tank was tank. You know what I mean? It's no question. Tank is tank. You know what I mean? End of the day, he couldn't know. save. He couldn't save, buddy. Though he nah, couldn't save. Couldn't, couldn't nobody save him. Um, it was just inter- interesting to me because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, Mario, I'm going to smoke, smoke." Mar- I mean, Mario, I'm going to smoke Mario. There's no question. I mean, I'm looking at the, the discographies in the in the song. Like, it's no way. I was like, oh, Mario plays MIA. I don't know what Mario's going to do next. Like, I don't know." He's gonna do ice box. I said he gonna he gonna freeze the arena. Yeah, like you do so ice. Bad. He did so bad. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it but it, it it was awful, man. It was, I turned it off. I don't know about y'all. I turned it off. Okay, I turned it off. Got on Twitter, and then Twitter made me turn it back on, and then I turned it off again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a vicious cycle, just because I just couldn't get. I off. will tell you this though, that was the the best laugh I've had in a very long time. It was a comedy show, and it was so it was such a great comedy show. I laughed so bad, real bad. Is it that <laughs> that clip of Ray J when he's performing One Wish and he's like marching? I saw the clip without the music, and I was like, "What damn song is he performing?" And he 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 was like. What what would be tipping like March March time eight in March band like and yes. then when I put play I said I know you fucking lying <laughs> <laughs> one wish my guy one wish oh my god man it was it, it was wild to watch man is it time to get rid of versus versus done I mean versus was done long time ago I think that versus was cool when we couldn't go nowhere and we were still wiping off our groceries. <laughs> that's that's you know when I still had to wipe stuff down with my my Lysol wipes and my Clorox wipes that was peak versus yeah after the lock hey, what was that name named Dipset? Jonta what was the guy named Jonta John Jonta Jonta something yeah Jonta 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 Put verses up on the show. You get what I'm saying? Like that was the peak verses. You know, Fat Joe gave us the rundown. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Like that was peak. That was we should have left it there. Okay. Then they started trying to find people to just do it. You know, like and it's what was the reason? What What was the reason? reason? Follow the money. Follow the money. That's what it is now. It's about the money now. I'm because I I'm on the opposing side. I don't I think versus should be like a quarterly thing because I personally I do enjoy like I really enjoyed the Mary Mary and BB and CC one, and they were like really singing up there. So like stuff like that, I was like I can enjoy this. Like but some like y'all are saying some of these matchups, yeah, it's like. 
What, what are y'all doing? And, and I think that's the thing. I it's honestly really think that maybe after last night, Swift Speed, they can they can go and have a, like a roundtable discussion and kind of rethink things because I think they I have think, to know I, that last night was bad. I think it should be reserved for elite artists only. I mean, it just needs to be. I mean, the, if the next verses isn't Chris Brown and Usher, I don't want to see it. Like it needs to be that because it's getting wrapped up in these artists that are fighting for relevancy. And it's just not it. They last night they looked like artists <laughs> that were trying to be relevant again. I mean, Mario was, was a, yeah, Mario was the only one that was comfortable. Only one. The only, the only one. one. Even though Mario was doing too much, like people were talking about Omarion acting like he's too big for B2K, and they're like, nah, he need to be doing state fairs like the rest of them. Like all of them need to hop out, you know what I mean, and just find somewhere to sing because nobody want, you know what I mean, nobody want to hear that shit no more. And then for B, for the rest of the group. To post, at, they was in the group chat. One, two, three, go! And all of them posted that David Ruffin clip from the Temptations movie at the same time. When <laughs> well, they I kicked didn't David Ruffin, yes, that. when they kicked David Ruffin out the group, and the manager met him, they didn't even let him in the studio. Y'all doing David this to me? That whole meltdown. Y'all can't do me like Y'all this. Y'all can't do me like this. Y'all can't they do all posted at the same time. At the same time. Was on versus telling Omarion, you got served. They played. Listen, y'all want to see a dead body? They played on this man top. Mm-hmm. And that let that let me know that he tried to make it seem like, you know what I'm saying? He was dead, you know what I'm saying? But he was a hellraiser. This whole time, everybody the thought whole group. it. Everybody the whole, thought it. Group and he was my favorite. Out. I had his back. He was my favorite. Everybody thought yeah. it was Ryan's B. Wasn't it? Wasn't he got eating watermelon? Too. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Hey, man, it was so brother. embarrassing. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. Why and, would you do that, sir? That wasn't sexy. And we all thought Raz B was the one that was unhinged. You see, but and then you bring your brother out there to help you do that foolishness. You know, like they said, like me and Tiffany was texting. They said on Fighting Temptations, beware of brief delight. <laughs> and last this shame. <laughs> <laughs> So how many years did it take us to realize that after all of this, after all was said and done, he was really the clown out of the whole group? You know, I I realized it last night. I actually would like to get the baby mama on the phone because I may or may not have said some things about her Mm -hmm. on social media. Mm -hmm. But now that I know that he's a square and that him and his brother eat watermelon together... And like they do well, fellatio. They, I got they, oh, they was both they was both eating them together at the same yes. the same slice. Somebody get George back okay. She left some turn back here. My he called him out there for that, specifically for that. Get the melon. <laughs> My brother to the stage, get the melon. You know what time it is. Get the melon. It's melon time. They was calling, him, they, they, they was calling him old melon. They was calling him old melon. <laughs> Old Melon. Old Melon. Old Melon. But you see, April, she happy now with uh with Tay, honey. They're so cheesy. I love it for them. Be be with somebody that gets it. Oh yeah, nah, they having a ball. They having a ball. Coach Baker, like he's having time his life. (laughs) Coach Coach Baker. (laughs) Coach Baker. I am very happy for Coach Baker. Oh man. Um. <laughs> all right. So with that, man. Um. Anything that y'all want to leave the people with, man? Anybody got? You know, I know a lot of time. I always close with a little inspirational, little inspirational quotes, man. Anything y'all got for the people? And let me say this real quick. This sparked something 
We gonna we gonna do this again because I, I got excited again about my time. I thought we got back into our groove. Yeah, yeah. 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 I missed y'all. I definitely missed y'all. We need to run that shit back, Turbo. Yeah, oh, no, we, definitely, we definitely can. This is definitely because you know I don't. Never mind. I can't talk about my. You know I'm not allowed to talk about the host of the podcast. So, like people that's on here, I'm not allowed to talk about that. But I, but yes, we can do it again. My, we're your favorite friends of the show. My, my, all right, my, you got something to say to these people? Anything? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't got shit to say because I ain't got time for my shit getting twisted up. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I want to go, go, go back to, uh, to, to Maverick City, Ashley. And see what she got, and then y'all can come back, come back to me. I'm still brainstorming. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Actually, how was it single with Kurt Franklin? You said what? How was it? What? Single with Kurt Franklin. Cool, fun. Yeah, he, he that little fifty year old man. He don't stop. I tell you that. I know that's right. Yeah. Um, I have something to say, boo. I think like just where we are in life, whatever it is that you got going on, like being authentic is priceless. Life is way too short to be anything but real. Mm -hmm. And I tell it to like all my friends all the time, like whatever it is that you feel, whatever it is that you want to do. We only got one body, man. Like, and once this one is gone, it's gone. Be real. Do what you want to do. Say how you feel. Live how you feel. Just be authentic. And I really, just, I think if more people was real with themselves, life would just be so much more beautiful. You know what I'm saying? For a lot of people, a lot of people mad all the time because they they front, they front, they not being honest with themselves or the people around them. So listen, be a real nigga. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Thank you. <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> but whatever you doing, I agree. <laughs> Do it now. That's enough right you now. Ain't, you it. ain't doing nothing That's else. Right you sitting on the couch. You watching TV. You listening to this podcast. Why not be a real nigga? I mean, shit. <laughs> you ain't got nothing else going on with your life. Be a real nigga. It's free. It's free. Ain't gonna cost free. you a dime. It can cost you a dime. And someone who don't like it, I guarantee you it's gonna be a group of people who do love it. Hey man, look at you already know. Well, Booby, where that clip be saying Booby with him is pearly clip. Don't you worry about it, bitch. I know somebody like it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a fact, man. So (laughs) with that, man, that was episode 69. Um episode what? 69. Okay, like like after 68. Damn, look at your auntie. Episode 69. <laughs> Come on, the I, had, I had something to add, though, boob. I did What's have something to add since you tried to call me out and had me laughing, joking, mm-hmm. and everything. But um, I try to be positive, leave on a positive note, like Booby said. And something that kind of like piggybacking off of Tiff- Tiffany was saying, you know, it's very important you know, for all of us to just live authentic, um, live the best lives that we have. Um, something that I've discovered is how you do one thing is how you do all things. So if you are working towards, you know, self-improvement in any areas of your life, I think it's very important that you take a deep dive at, you know, how are you in social settings? How are you at work? How are you by yourself? 
Um, and that will allow you to uncover the things that will ultimately allow you to be more beneficial um, and successful. I get that little one pussy ass book. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> whoop a little butt. No, here we go. Cause she the only one on Netflix on Last the show. Last time that I checked, <laughs> she don't. She only one on Netflix on the show, so she gotta get the money counter. You already know. <clears throat> hey man, and one one other thing, I like to give everybody flowers. You know, and when you get the opportunity, shout out to y'all. Everybody's doing the damn thing, man. Yeah. Everybody's doing yeah. a great job. Ashley, just with everything, like. You're amazing. Your faith, how you're taking a leap of faith. You're on tour. You're touring. You're doing what you got to do. Um, you you selling out. You legit. You know. You can say, "Hey, I'm part of a sold out tour. I'm yeah. selling out. You know, I'm selling out arenas. I'm performing all these big people. I think it's very dope." Tiff, I give Tiff her flowers all the time. But I'm so I'm hella proud of you, um, Doctor Mom. Outside of that, we are gonna get Tiffany on CNN or somebody to be somebody's correspondent, like Angela Rye. Cause my girl, she gives it to you in the most religious way, the most ratchet way, the most professional way. Um, just shout out to you, Boobs, my boy, my creative partner. I, you, you just keep going, keep going with everything that you're doing. Me and Booby annoy each other. I, I probably randomly text him like twelve o'clock and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about this. Or what you think about this? Or he, he like, hey, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Like, like, what, like, what you think about that? And um, like, even like carrying a podcast is not easy. It's not an easy task. And you, you've just, you've, you've really, you know, made your mark and left a stamp when it comes to podcasting. A lot of people actually look up to you and to the podcast that you have. So I just want to publicly give everybody their flowers because I think too many times people wait to the, don't, don't try to get my flowers in when I'm sick of my damn bed. I don't want to hear that shit now. I'm probably not even going to hear it all. And you over here breathing all hot, your hot breath telling you. You know how you love me and everything. So I think it's important <laughs> for us to do that. Well, to give you your flowers, Maude. Mr. You, whatever you set your mind to to do, you do it. Like, you ain't scared to start. A lot of people are scared to start things, and you're not scared to start. And if it, it takes off, it takes off. If it doesn't take off, that's fine. I started, I did it, I wasn't afraid, and I admire that about you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because, like, y'all don't see a lot of behind the scenes. I'd be scared as hell, actually. I'd be so scared. <laughs> but I talk to enough people, like, hey, I think I'm going to do this. But, hey, just do it, bro. All right, cool. All right, cool. Hey, I think we'll do it. Go ahead and do it. All right, cool. You could do, do, do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Sarah Jake said, do it anyway. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Do it, yeah, yes, sir. Always. And uh, one of my favorite podcasts, man, is Drink Champs. And always say all the time, we got to give folks their flowers when they can smell them, trees when they can inhale them, thoughts when they can think them, and drink when they can drink them, man. So, so always, always, man. I appreciate that. Mod, you already know. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we we give each other our flowers, you know, constantly because somebody got to goddamn do it. Um, but I do appreciate that, man. I appreciate y'all, you know what I mean, for for coming on the show, coming on the podcast. Definitely got to have y'all back um, very, very soon whenever y'all busy schedules aren't so busy. Um, but we can definitely make that happen. Um, so, yeah, man, again, episode 69, um, dope episode. Appreciate everybody. Uh, once again, thank y'all for listening for the first time, last time, whatever time. is always love on this side. Um, you already know the vibes. Um, with that being said, appreciate y'all. Um, 
It's always love, man. And we out. Yes, sir.